It's Tuesday, 28th of February. It's time to get your gaming grin on with the Game Grin Grincast. I'm your host, Ace, and joining me are Goza Goes. Hello. And Niall. Hello. How's everyone doing this fine week? It's uh, it's cold outside. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I'm a gamer because my graphics card can keep me warm. <laughs> Uh, it is cold, huh? I mean, I work in a warehouse with with a big door open, so I kind of get used to it, but, but yeah, it is a bit fresh about today. I used to work in a warehouse, but the door had to be kept closed unless it was really, really hot. <laughs> See, I, I'm all for keeping the door closed at our place, but I don't smoke. Everyone else smokes, so they're like, we'll just open the shutter and stand here and have a fag, and I'm like, ugh. But it's cold out! You're killing yourselves, and you're making me cold. There are no upsides to having this door open. <laughs> well, let's start this episode as we sometimes do, and talk about what games everyone been playing this past week. Goes, goes. What about you? Oh, yeah, I've been trying to play Killer is Dead, the Grasshopper Manufacturer game. That's the Suda51's company. Yeah, I've been trying to play it because the PC port isn't great and it has problems like FPS and stuff. Finally managed to get it working consistently, so um, it's a cool game. I think all like all games from that company are pretty unique, even if they're more mainstream genres like this one, for example. It's like it's 3D beat em up, uh, like Bayonetta or Devil May Cry, but it has Grasshopper manufactured twists to it. Uh, mainly, like the presentation is very stylized, like that 3D anime aesthetic, I guess, with very harsh shadows. Like the the protagonist of that game looks like a villain every time they show him because half of his face is, a, is in shadow and his eyes are dark red so every time they show him it's like that guy's a villain <laughs> it also doesn't help that he's kind of a dick that like I, I mean he's essentially a, a hitman working for an, an organ, uh, some organization that Basically, ba- basically they kill demons, but the main character is isn't super invested in that cause. He's like just a hired gun, and uh, he's serious about his job and about uh, getting to sleep with women. He's a player. Yeah, pretty much. Actually, <laughs> part of the game is like side activities is going on dates with women and like you can you're you can be in the middle of a mission and you get like a call from them and the funniest thing about that is that you can get a call from a girl while you're on a date with another girl god hey cousin let's go bowling (laughs) something like that yeah because it basically you go on a date and that's once you complete it, it's locked, and you need to do some some other thing till you get called, and you can do another one. And yeah, you can just 
bounce between two girls and yeah in the middle of a date you get a call which is kind of funny can can you then leave that date and go on another date immediately no oh <laughs> i mean you have to finish so to speak <laughs> and then you can and then you can go for to another one yeah and actually the dating mini game isn't like I say dating, but it's not. It's like you're you're basically trying to stir at the girl's body to increase your uh, meter so that you can give her a gift. Does that make sense? What I just said? Yes, it does. Yeah, you're trying to look at at the girl's body while while she's not looking at you. Like when she catches you looking, you take damage. Basically, that reminds me of a mechanic in one of the Yakuza games. You can go on a date to the bathhouse, and you have separate baths, and then afterwards, you can play a game of ping pong. And to charge up your heat meter, which allows you to do a like a slam hit on the ball, you have to stare at the woman across from you. Yeah, that was very That's... strange, guys. <laughs> I hope it's delivered more tastefully than you're describing it. <laughs> they're they're both Japanese games, so yeah, like... yeah, yeah. Those silly Japanese. <laughs> but yeah, actually, I realized that I've been talking more about the side activity than the main gameplay, and yeah, that also has its twist on the like beat em up formula. There's, for example, there is no complicated combos that you need to get the timing right, pressing multiple buttons in the right order, stuff like that. You basically hit one button to hit with, with your sword, and as your combo meter increases, your attacks get faster and faster. So you just start mashing the button. On the most basic level, the combat is trying to mash your attack and parrying or dodging, not getting hit, so that the attack gets faster and faster and you keep the combo streak, basically. It's not... It doesn't distract you with too many other things to do to your enemies. There's some other moves that you can do to manipulate your opponent, like throw in the air, but uh, mostly it's trying to keep your combo meter not to do very complicated combos. A thing that actually helps you to keep your combo meter and another twist on the beat em up thing is the protagonist's uh, left arm is like a prosthetic mechanical arm that turns into a cannon, like a Mega Man Buster thing. It actually has kind of a similar shape when it becomes a hand cannon. Basically, when you're aiming your arm, it turns into a third-person shooter, and when your enemies uh, further away, you can keep shooting at him to stop the combo streak from going down. If you're not super in those beat-em-ups because the combat seems uh, too complicated, like there's too many things that you can do and too many different enemy types that you don't know how to deal with all of them, then, like, I feel like this is a nice middle ground between uh, 
those and more traditional beat'em up games that it still has uh, its own unique mechanics but it keeps it simple the first time i played this it was several years ago and so i had a long break from this and when i got back to it i thought that it would take much longer to learn everything again and maybe i'll have to start a new save file to get through the tutorial but it like actually got used to it pretty quickly like especially the mashing of uh, your attack feels really nice okay uh, niall what about you i played a couple of things well i mostly played one thing but the the first thing i tried to play and oh, I, just, I just couldn't do it because i didn't play back in the day and trying to pick it up now was almost impossible and that's metal gear solid 2 the controller mapping is it's just nonsense why am I selecting my weapon with the right trigger? That doesn't make any sense. My brain is geared to think right trigger is shoot. Yeah. You know? So, it doesn't help because it's obviously a largely stealth-based stealth game. That's the point. Which I'm no good at anyway, but I, I'm happy to learn. But that is extra difficult when you've just got a, a set of controls that just... My brain just, just can't understand them. <laughs> So I gave that a couple of hours and then I pretty much sort of gave up with that because I read online that apparently there's been a leak that Konami re-released them all. Mm. Yeah, I, I can't remember now. Um, but that that's kind of what made me give up because I thought, oh, I'll just wait for the re-release and see if it's any better. <laughs> um, but the other thing I've been playing, and because, you know, segueing into part two of this podcast, is I've been playing a lot of Hogwarts Legacy. Oh, um, how dare you. I know, but it's how? a banger. I'm not even going to lie. It's great. How could you do this, dude? I, can't I don't know. I, I, don't even, I don't even know. Well, me, I a long time ago at this point, uh, I saw Fist of the North Star Lost Paradise on pretty deep discount on the, the PlayStation Store. It's a PS4 exclusive. And I'd recently seen that it was developed by Ryuga Gotoku, the developer of the Yakuza franchise, and that it had similar gameplay. So bought that, bought the DLC that makes you look like Kazuma Kiryu, the main character from the Yakuza series, and just never played it. <laughs> but I've actually played it. I've done the prelude and started the chapter one. And like from the main menu, you can choose how Kenshiro... I know nothing about this franchise, so... I literally just had to look at his name so I remembered his name. <laughs> but you can make uh, Kenshiro look like either his normal look or his Lost Paradise look, or if you've bought the DLC, make him look as Kazuma Kiryu. And it's actually pretty well implemented, the skin. It, it doesn't show up in all the cutscenes, but all the gameplay it does. Oh, I don't like it, it, that. It's because some of the cutscenes, um, they use a different... Stuff. A different model. He he's wearing a um, cloak to to keep the dust out of his eye because post apocalyptic. Yeah. So um, they they clearly didn't want to animate Kazuma uh, Kiryu with a cloak. I, I remember like I I think I'm not imagining that, but I think when this game was coming out, they had like a trailer where it's in Kamurocho and Kiryu turns into Kenshiro or something like that. <laughs> That'd be great if they did. And I assumed that it was going to be like a Yakuza game with 
I don't know. I, I don't even know what I was imagining. I thought it would be like a proper crossover, like Unique Storyline or something, where you have uh, bad guys from Fist of the North Star and Kamurocho for some reason. <laughs> like Kamurocho uh, of the Dead or whatever it was called, the mini game. Kamaru uh, of the Dead, I think. Yeah, I, I, I guess. Like it's typing or house of the dead rather not typing of the dead that's not i want in my brain typing is the original but it's not like house of the dead but it's in camarocho or whatever sorry i'm not cutting you out off anywhere it's uh apparently the voice actor for kazuma kiryu in the japanese version anyway um because at the time there was only the Japanese version, <laughs> did the voice of Kenshiro in the Japanese version. But there is an English dub. I've got that on because my wife likes to watch me play, but she doesn't want to read all the subtitles. <laughs> so she misses a lot of the story because <laughs> she's on her phone. Understandable. But um, it's, it's, as I say, the skin's really well done. When you go into heat mode in, in this game, Kinshiro just gets like blue fire around him, but Kiryu, he gets the blue fire, but he also loses his top, like like he does in the climactic fights of the Yakuza games. And you can they they've even put his uh, his dragon tattoo on his back, so it's it's pretty pretty fun um, so far. The only thing is, it's strange seeing Kiryu killing people because that's something he never does in the yakuza games i mean he shoots them and blows up their cars and helicopters that they're in but he doesn't kill speaking of killing people (laughs) (laughs) there's a segue for you there's a segue yes the the transgender community is being is in danger from trans exclusionary feminists aka TERFs, of which J.K. Rowling is a proud member. But, yes. The, What's I, the R I, stand for? Sorry. Trans-exclusive... Oh, radical. There we go. I was thinking Sorry. then, because I didn't actually know what it stand for, and I was like, hold on a minute, where does the R... What does that mean? Fair enough, it's, there it's, we go, now I know. Now it's, everyone feminists, knows. it's feminists who don't think that trans women are women. Oh. And seem to have no opinion about trans men at all. <laughs> With the recent... Hogwarts Legacy, with all its controversy, because it's ties to J.K. Rowling. I couldn't help notice that that a second game came out that has controversies tied to it, and I I just thought it was, it was worth bringing up in the podcast to have a bit of a discussion. As I mentioned, Hogwarts Legacy, the ties to Rowling and her extremist views and platforming of people with even more extreme views... There's also the uh, anti-Semitic undertones of the storyline for the game, because the goblins, which according to the books, are they are basically walking anti-Semitic tropes. They're, the goblins run the banks, and, and uh, they have big noses, and they love the love money, and all these anti-Semitic things. I mean, everyone loves money, but I see what you're saying. <laughs> In the game, from what I understand... You would obviously know more than me. The goblins and the slave race are rebelling, and it's your job to quash the slaves and the Jews. I mean, 
goblins. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> God, I'm stepping out of line. I'm a wizard. There's also worth noting on the uh, controversies section of the game's Wikipedia page, because, of course, there it does mention the fact that when the game first came out, there were people targeting Twitch streamers who played Hogwarts and going at them, harassing them, and that's not on either. No, that's not cool. I think, you know, if if you have strong opinions about things, that's fair enough, but, you know, go crown Twitter about it. Don't, like, harass other people that are just trying to maybe make a living out of it or, or something like I I did wonder how much of it was actually trans people and, and allies and how much of it was, say, 4chan. Hey, let's let's do this for a laugh and pretend yeah, that we're you, you allies. Yeah, the, the, the people that join in, don't you? You know what I mean? You get people protesting and then the looters join in. It's that sort of thing, isn't it? Well, 4chan, they turned the OK symbol into a white supremacist thing. They've tried to turn milk into, oh, if you drink milk, you're a white supremacist. It's all just for the kecks. Hmm. Idiots. But the other game that, uh, that has just come out that has controversies is Atomic Heart by developer Mundfish and published by Focus Entertainment. The controversies surrounding that are that Mundfish, Mundfish has been accused of harvesting user data and providing it to Russia's social services, Mundfish being a Russian developer. And the release date was seemingly chosen to coincide with the first anniversary of Russia invading Ukraine last year and Defender of the Fatherland Day, whatever that is. Holiday observed in Russia to Mekistan, Belarus, Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, and Takistan. Oh, you learn something new on this podcast. Yeah, don't say we didn't teach you nothing, audience. <laughs> did you say Kazakhstan? I did. Yeah, yeah, I, I picked up on that. Goes, you know, feel free to cut this out, but you know, I thought it was just a made-up place where Borat came from. He's nice. <laughs> My wife. Well, you, you say <laughs> that. Um, I knew Kazakhstan was a real place, but to Makistan, the only time I'd heard that was in an Austin Powers movie. <laughs> That's what I mean. They sound like fictional extremist nations that a um, made-up UN uh, would fight against in sort of a comedy. Like, you know, like a com- comedy sort of James Bond spoof or something, don't they? They just don't sound real. Yeah, it's it's the CIU against the blah blah stand. Yeah, and they would all just have generic Russian. They'd all speak in English, but have like a generic Russian uh, accent on everything they say. You know, they hate the West. Yes, comrade. Oh my God, I sounded just like an Atomic Hut character. <laughs> I've actually played a couple of hours of it and everyone speaks in American accents oh. and, and keep dropping comrade every now and then. Oh, they should add the accent in. I don't know. You know, I mean, I could understand not having them speak in Russian. They don't have to go over the top. You know, it's not a documentary, but you've got to add the accent in just so we know. I was thinking about not not specifically Russian, but it sometimes annoys me when uh, a game is in English with Japanese characters, and they add the honorific San at the end. Just say, Mister. Yeah. Yeah. Like, go this way or that way. Not, don't mix it up. Like. 
Yeah, they do always uh, say Sam, don't they, at the end? I'm like, you've just said an entire sentence in English. Why are you now ending it in Japanese? Well, I can understand that it, it sometimes adds meaning to, like, if uh, in, in the Yakuza games, when Majima calls Kiryu, Kiryu-chan, rather than Kiryu-san, it means he's referring to him in a different way than if he'd have said Kiryu-san. Yeah, it would be hard to translate the Chan, definitely. So, yeah, I guess that's that's an argument for using those Japanese honorifics, because there's so many of them, and they're not always easily translatable. So long as they don't say Mr. Kenshiro-san, because yeah. San is basically Mr. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Mr. Oh yeah, they use the uh, surname first, don't they? Yeah, I've been reading a, a manga recently that certain characters would say would use the last name as they're supposed to, and others who were closer to the character would use the first name. And because I have limited brain capacity, sometimes it take me. Oh wait, is is that is that that character? Is that? Oh yes, it's. <laughs> it's like how Americans put the date wrong in it. We need the universal standard. But anyway, back to uh, Atomic Heart. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a tangent, wasn't it? It's set in a alternate history of 1955 in the Soviet Union, and again by a Russian developer. Uh, so, so this uh, Defender of the Fatherland Day release dates could look suspicious, but it was my understanding that the publishers decided release dates like the developer can say actually no we need extra time because we're still squashing bugs but the, the publisher's got to like arrange marketing and, and publicity for the release date so they surely they've got to have final say on when games are coming out and focus interact uh, sorry focus entertainment are a french company they're not a uh, a russian one <laughs> Yeah, who knows? I mean, the best, the best possible outcome would be no. We don't really know anything. Let's shut the fuck up. But people will jump to conclusions and get mad about it. <laughs> yeah, and they will. People will, people will assume things and then be angry about their assumptions. Yeah, that's the world for you. But while I don't doubt that Mundfish would have been aware of Dinder of the Fatherland Day, as it's a national holiday, yeah. uh, they they might not be as aware of Russia's invasion of Ukraine because it, it's played off as not a big deal to the to the Russian public. Yeah, that's true. It's all about perspective, isn't it? We can only judge it on the perspective we have from the outside, like you say to. To us, we know about the Ukrainian situation maybe a lot more. I'm not sure what the situation's like in Russia. I don't know how it's discussed or if it is discussed, if it's blown over. Like, if it is blown over, then, like you say, to them, if it's a national holiday, they just lined it up with a national holiday, aren't they? Unknowingly, uh, maybe. But... If you look at it one way, it's a pro-Russia game released close to a Russian holiday it'd be like a pro america game releasing on the 4th of july yeah yeah i I mean it could be completely innocent in that way at least the proceeds aren't 
going towards a billionaire who lives in a castle in Scotland. Mm. I was looking at the uh, at various gaming controversies on Wikipedia in the run-up to this episode, and I was confused by what what's controversial about Genshin Impact. Turns out a lot. <laughs> There's a massive section on their Wikipedia page about that. Uh-huh. The the first one coming when the game was unveiled at ChinaCon in 2019, it was immediately and initially, initially met with criticisms claiming that the game had similarities to Breath of the Wild. Gasp. Zelda fans at the convention showed explicit gestures towards the Sony booth, with one individual destroying their PlayStation 4 console in protest. I mean, that's just ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, That's cited by two places. I mean, Genshin Impact's still going to make a load of money, but you you just haven't got a PlayStation anymore. I don't understand (laughs) the outcome. I don't understand what you were thinking. That isn't a protest, is it? That's just like... That's, Dave, now you've got to give them more money for another PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> you give them more money anyway. That or you've just lost lost um, access to all your digital games and your physical yeah, games. You have PT on there. If you had PT on there, you could have sold that. And Sony was like, what did we ever do to you? <laughs> but if you want a depressing read, then by all means check out the Video Game Controversies Wikipedia page, which is Basically, lots and lots of people murdering other people because of, apparently, video games. Or directly video games, because of Lineage 2, apparently. Play Lineage 2, guys. (laughs) That was also about Russians. That was about Russians, (laughs) Maybe they were just LARPing and it went wrong. I mean, it did go wrong. If a a person (laughs) died... Is it it really role-playing if you... Kill a man? I feel like that's gone beyond. I feel like that's just real life now. I would be interesting to know if the murder weapon was a foam sword, because it might have been a LARPing accident. No, it was a, a real life brawl. Um, I'd I'd follow the link, but apparently it's dead. Yeah, I feel like if you could kill a man with a foam sword, you you've you've kept swinging, haven't you? That's rage. That is. I mean, that's craziness. Apparently you can kill people with pencils. I know, but they're actually sharp, aren't they? I mean, they're actually hard. I mean, depends on the pencil, you know? After the Man's Guild reportedly killed a rival's character in-game, the two guilds agreed to have it out in real life. The ensuing brawl left one so badly injured, he subsequently died from his injuries en route to a local hospital. A a 22-year-old confessed to the beating. That's just stupidity. The parents should go to jail. This was in 2008, and further down the page it says that the English language service of the government-controlled state news agency, RAA Novosti, also mentions several other recent game-related acts of violence within Russia. A man from Moscow was reportedly recently beaten to death by a gamer from Ukraine in a similar situation of rivals meet-up. And a twenty-year-old gamer killed his grandmother after she apparently announced it was time for dinner. But these Video are just games games. Were a mistake. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
again, perspective, and it religion was really a mistake. That's probably killed more people. You know, on a scale. I mean, they can both be a mistake. <laughs> they can. But, you know, games are fun. They're just odd nutters that have been playing them. You know, religion's not fun, is it? Religion's boring. <laughs> have you ever been in a Catholic church? Yeah, it's boring. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've been to church with my nan before, when I, when I was really young. What's going on here? Boring. I was raised Catholic. It's boring Oof. as heck. Catholic's like... Oh, out of all the Christianity sects, Catholics like the worst. What? <laughs> you want C of E, mate? You do anything then. No rules. The only rule is no rules. Exactly. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you for joining me, Guz and Niall. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Greencast. Your support means a lot. If you want to hear more from us, listen to our anime podcast, The Pals Anime Lounge. And of course, check out our writings on GameGrim.com. And until next time, game on.